to the510.com. Yeah, is this going to suck the whole time, or is this like the only part that sucks? I just want to gauge how much suck I have to freaking sit through. I don't know. I mean, does anyone really pay attention to radio anymore? This is getting stupid. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? That may be the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You balls have been tempered in the fury of hell's dragon. Stupid! You're so stupid! Ladies and gentlemen, your host, JC. Welcome everybody to the 510 Podcast. I'm your host, JC. Uh, I believe this is episode 13, 12, I don't know anymore. We just, we've been doing a lot of episodes lately and really excited you're here. If you're, if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, welcome. Every week we bring in these incredible musicians, uh, producers, we've had DJs on. It's been a lot of fun, but this week I'm excited because we have Eddie and Edon. They make up the score. Welcome, gentlemen. What's going on? Hello. I'm really excited because, uh, man, you guys are just blowing up right now. You got a new album, Carry On, that's doing really well right now. Uh, talk a little bit about how you guys got together. I really, I really want to just rewind the tape and go back to the beginning and talk a little bit about how you two met and how you decided that this needed to happen and this band needed to be formed. Yeah, man. Uh, so we actually met about nine years ago in New York. Um, the two of us were interested not actually in performing ourselves, but mainly we were trying to write for other artists. So Eddie uh, was more on the writing spectrum. He, he did some performing on his, no, uh, on his own too, but he was tr- trying to focus on songwriting and I was focusing on producing. And uh, we had a mutual friend who sort of was working in the music business also. And he thought that we should write together. He thought it would be um, a good match. And so what were you writing at the time? Like, what kind of songs were you writing? And what was the target for that? Uh, we wanted to be, I guess we were trying to write pop songs because uh, we were in New York and that's when they still had a music scene somewhat. Right. <laughs> um, so we learned the whole process of, like, getting cuts and we were trying to be, like, you know, the next, like, writing production duo. Uh, and we actually got, a, like, a major label cut, like, within our first, like, year of working together. Um, but then we kind of saw how it works, the whole process and a lot of pitching and we just kind of felt a little like unfulfilled i guess um because we were always writing and we had a whole batch of songs that kind of sounded like a band um like the first iteration of what the score was um and we were like cool we should just like i don't know start a band and get chicks and get some free drinks at like the rockwood music rock music hall and like the new york clubs yeah that's how we start well, it's interesting because, Eddie, you have a good voice, a good singing voice. So, I mean, like, was that, did that play into it? it like, well, I can sing. Edon, you can produce. Like, let's just make a run at this. Uh, I mean, I always wanted to be on the performing end of stuff. That was always, like, my goal. But I think when coming out, we didn't have a track record with the band. And we were just trying to be writers and producers, like, thinking that would be the lane into, you know, like the whole, because this is in the whole era of, like, the Bruno Mars when he first kind of was popping off as like a writer and then became an artist. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, just like the sound evolved and we had songs that sounded like a band and we're like, fuck it, let's just do it. <laughs> so w- what about the process of, of getting the cuts and, and trying to do the song? What surprised you the most of that process? Yeah, we got that first cut on a major label and we were surprised by how incestuous <laughs> and how, how the business is really can be everything that people say it is. And that it feels kind of dirty. Yeah. Um, you know, like we, we got that cut. We were ecstatic. And then right away, the A&R on the project 
was trying to sign us to his own independent publishing deal, like behind the back of the label. And it was, it all felt really sketchy and weird. And, and then we realized that the other guys who got cuts on the album, they had, they had agreed to that publishing deal. And maybe that's why they got the cuts. We we didn't really know the detail. I'm just speculating, Sure, but it, it felt really sketchy. So yeah, turn us off. Yeah, I'm sure. I, you know, I, I've been doing this a while, and it seems like that seems to be the mo, right? Like you know somebody that knows somebody, and that's how you get into things. But when you guys started the band, you ended up getting a cut, a, a track into the like you said, uh, Eddie, uh, into like a supermarket, and that seemed to catapult things. How talk a little bit about how that got, how that became a thing? Oh yeah, that that was. <laughs> This is not the ba- the the basis for anyone's like career, so like don't no one should try <laughs> to do this. Um, yeah, we put this song called uh, the song uh, the song out called "Oh My Love" like right after we moved to LA in two thousand and I don't know fourteen ish, I guess. Okay. Um, we put it out. So we put it out February twenty fifteen. We just moved to LA a few months prior, and um, we were getting some interest on SoundCloud. It was like doing perform really well, and the whole like when SoundCloud used to matter with like the whole charts of like, you know, rock bands and right, stuff. Right. And it was pretty high on the charts. And we started getting emails and phone calls mainly from UK uh, labels and publishers, um, which we never experienced before. Like, wow, this is cool. Um, so our former managers at the time had this idea, which was super crazy uh, that this even happens, but they're like, Hey, we're going to cold email. I don't even know how they got the emails. We're going to cold <laughs> email every CEO of every major company in the United Kingdom um, and just like see what happens. And yeah, they didn't really tell us. And then, I don't know, this was February, maybe like four months later, um, three months later, I don't know, this is like May or uh, probably June-ish. We get an email being like, hey, Asda, uh, who's the Walmart of the UK, really like your song, the CEO heard it and he passed it along to the marketing team. Want to use it for a big branding campaign. We're going to spend a lot of money. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be on the radio. And we were like, haha, that's funny. And then a week later, they sent us the ad and made us sign all like the stuff. Yeah. Um, and even our lawyer at the time, our lawyer was like, this is going to be a nice little check because we were making no money from music at the time. Mm-hmm. He was like, it's going to be a nice little check, but nothing's going to transpire from this. And then, uh, I don't know, three days later, we were just getting hit up by every A&R that existed for every label. It was really weird it was awesome though that's fascinating i mean i guess it's if there's a band listening to this right that's sort of in the same space of like hey we want to we want to do something that's unique that that might be the most unique thing i've ever heard of getting your song into like and then having it go viral uh but i do like the managers tacked on it like expect nothing from this and then when something happens like it's pretty fucking rad like when what was the decision around or what was the conversation you guys all had about Republic was the right place for us? Yeah. I mean that, that whole process of getting wined and dined by different labels is really a special experience. (laughs) And you probably took your time and took a long time to be like, I don't know, maybe we need another steak dinner. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Like, especially for us because the song was already popping off in the UK and it was on this massive ad campaign, the, the numbers were already in and the money was being generated. So we had, we were in a unique position and we had, we had basically a buffet of labels to pick from. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, nice black cars picking you up, dropping you off everywhere, flights uh, to meet with the with the label um, presidents, uh, dinners, fancy dinners, like the most the nicest, most expensive dinners in each city. Like must have been nice. Yeah. Get a little attention. It's nice, but uh, for sure a one-time experience. It's so funny how things change once you sign. Sure, yeah. On that line, it's like, whoop, no more black cars. Yeah, what was the sale pitch from Republic that was like, yep, this is the right one for us? Have you um have you seen Wolf of Wall Street? I have seen Wolf of Wall Street. You know that scene when they're just like in the office or when Leo's like making that speech and he's like, I'm not going to quit. Yeah. I'm not going to quit. And everyone starts going like crazy. And <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe at Republic when we were there. Um, it was, we showed up and they have, they take us to the room, the heads of the labels and um, the uh, former head of a uh, and or radio. Um, and they have these Genelec giant speakers and we get in there and like your song is this is lightning in a bottle to smash and like just like blasting it in the speakers and we're just like oh my god what is this, this is crazy but like kind of awesome but yeah also, um, I, I picture it more of like the steve madden scene where they're like throwing the shoes back at him and calling him a <laughs> pussy right like <laughs> uh, they, but it wasn't it, like that it was the other one <laughs> yeah no it was cool it, 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 it was really cool we were kind of like we were kind of we thought it was awesome, but also confusing. We we're like, Oh God, what the hell? Yeah. But then we had a really good dinner uh, and a really good talk with uh, our now A&R Ben Adelson, who at the time had had, he just signed James Bay and James Bay is blowing up and he had of monsters and men. So he had these acts that had credibility that have really worked like up to get there. They just weren't like, you know, YouTubers or just, you know, they, they had kind of earned all their, uh, their scars. Um, so we found that attractive and we were like, you know what? Like, they got a great radio team and they're a prestigious label, but also Ben is a great, um, you know, a great soldier. And he has, uh, you know, he had a good record for like for bands that were kind of in our lane. Yeah. How much homework did you do on him? Like, did you guys call other artists and say, you know, what's your experience been like? Or did you guys just kind of sign right there? I mean, we didn't really know any other artists signed to the labels. Yeah. We didn't know anyone. Uh, all we had was really our, our lawyer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we we basically talked to our lawyer a bunch, and he had positive experiences with Republic because he also was a lawyer for James Bay. Mm. Um, and yeah, and then Eddie, I remember Eddie and I were like, I don't know, we might have been back in the UK already, and we had to make a decision about what we were gonna do. And we were like in a hotel room, and we were, I think we were between Colombia and Republic, hmm. and. and and I don't know, we, we had to just trust our guts. And I think that like that win mentality of Republic was something that resonated with us. And, and we have like a similar ethos. So, yeah, you put out the first album with them in 2017 Atlas. Talk a little bit about that process and how was it different from what you guys had been doing on the past? Now you had a you know major label back in you. Was it it was the process any different or did they allow you to sort of just take what you had built and run with it? Oh, that was single-handedly the most stressful uh <laughs> fearful period i think yeah. of our career um because we had gotten signed off of this song that was doing so well and it got added to bbc one in the uk and it was like all like it was that song was like ubiquitous in the uk like that whole summer you could everyone heard it they all knew from the commercial mm -hmm. um it was getting radio play and then we come out and republic tried to go to radio with it in the fall 
um, right after we'd signed and it went to hot AC and it did like, okay. went to like maybe like 30 at mm-hmm. hot AC radio. Um, and it kind of just fell off. And so then that kind of put us in this weird, well, like, well, shit, like that was our one shot. What are we doing? And, um, <clears throat> again, Ben, our A&R was great. He was like, listen, you guys, this is like the time now that that didn't work. Like try to experiment and find out what your sound is and what you guys want to be as a band. Because for us, Oh My Love never really felt like us. It was just, it was us kind of chasing a moment sure. um, that had given us a platform for our career, which we'll always be grateful for. But that wasn't us sonically or just, you know, personality wise. Uh, so we got to kind of take a couple years, which most bands don't get that luxury because most bands get dropped if something doesn't work. Right. Um, and Ben was really, really good. And we just wrote hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs until we started to figure out what our sound was and what we wanted to be. What comes first for you two? Is it the the melody or is it the lyrics or is it sort of like they all come together and it's serendipity or talk a little bit about that process between you two? Yeah, I, I think it's the melody that comes first. Mm-hmm. I think generally, I mean, there's there's exceptions to the rule, but I'd say most of the time Eddie has an idea of a melody with some lyrics, but some of the lyrics might change. It could be some gibberish or it could be some more cemented lyrics um, on the guitar or on the piano. Yeah. And it's just a fragment of idea. It could be just a couple measures. It could be a verse. It could be a chorus. And then uh, we take that and build it together. Did you guys both have come from a musical family? Did you guys both have that background growing up? Like how, what made you interested in making music a career? Uh, my dad is a doctor, but he was always, he was like the cool doctor. Like he was like the guy, the doctor that was like in a band and like, you know, would play on the weekends, you know, like, <laughs> nice. um, you know, and he's like a, just, he's not like a trained musician, but he's a good bass player. And, you know, I grew up on just all the records he was playing when I was younger. Uh, and then I grew up in, in Southern California in Orange County. And in that era, like the early two thousands, that's like when all like the pop punk scene was like everywhere. And there was, you know, venues like Chain Reaction and Anaheim and uh, the House of Blues in Anaheim. So I was going to shows and I had always wanted to be in that world, not the emo world per se, but just like, you know, be yeah, in yeah. the band and do that. That was my that was my upbringing as a kid. Yeah. What about you, Edon? Yeah, mine was a little different. I I've like piano has always been a big part of my life. It was more like, you know, really studying piano from a young age starting a classical and then moving to jazz. And then it was really all about jazz. I, I was kind of in a bubble. I, I wasn't super aware of popular music because I thought jazz was superior to all other genres. You know, I had kind of this silly mentality about, about how, you know, jazz is so sophisticated and, you know, you know, just on a different level, which I realize now is dumb, but, um, yeah, I was like in the jazz band. I was uh, in jazz ensembles. I went to summer jazz camp. I yeah, did... what did you play in band? What? What did you play in band? Uh, piano. Piano. So you played the piano throughout I was, the. I was in the orchestra playing stand up bass. Got it. Uh, and then in jazz band, I played piano. Oh, okay. Band. I was a drummer and a and trombone player. You were a trombone player? I was a trombone player. Oh, wow. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, and then I switched to drums in my junior year. Yeah. Do you do jazz band? I did do jazz band. We did the the whole circuit. We went to Reno, Nevada, and did the, the went to Tahoe and did um, stuff in Hawaii. It was a lot of fun. Weren't those fun? They that were was, fun. Like, some of the highlights of my 
of my high school career. <laughs> it's it is, and it's funny. Like my kids are now older, and now they're going through that. Like my son plays trumpet, my other one plays clarinet. It's just interesting, like how that influences your music, not a really career, but just your taste as you grow up. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's go back to talking a little bit about the album. You have the new one, Carry On. How is this different than Atlas? Like, and and talk a little bit more about the the process difference in, in between the two albums. Um, <clears throat> for Atlas, uh, it was really like our career and like our stake at the label like really like you know like we were up against the wall so that album i think a lot of it was written out of like desperation and uncertainty which mm-hmm. it can be good for people and also be terrible for others um but for us it was a way to to motivate us and just to figure out what we wanted to do and that album did very well for us for being like for being a band that's not on the radio and that was that was smaller it had a couple gold records on it and we were really thankful um but then that presented another like set of challenges because it was like shit like we did this on a very low budget and now we have more of a budget and we have more time now and we need to like beat this i guess um and we have more resources um but luckily in between album one and the second album we really grew as a band touring um like we toured all we toured in china we've toured in europe we've toured all over america and so we've really kind of uh, grown that way so we really wanted to bring that sense of being a band to this next album so we really thought it'd be great to like collab with you know guys like uh, a wall nation and travis barker and really just experiment with the sound and making it sound more like you're at a show like at an arena yeah like a record yeah you brought in like you mentioned you brought in a wall nation and, and travis barker that's not something you guys had done in the past you hadn't brought in like guest people into the the process with you did that really change anything for you for the process at all yeah i mean it's different because yeah you got somebody else on the record um but with with all of actually okay so with two of the three three features eddie and i had gotten the song um to an almost done state before we showed it to anybody else so the records were almost there then we showed it to travis barker then we showed it to awol nation and they did their thing on it Specifically, AWOL Nation, he really changed things up. He wrote a new verse melody, hmm. uh, new verse lyrics. So the verse that he sings is uniquely his. And he also did some other, he had made some other small changes to the song, uh, did some production stuff in the bridge. So um, it was like, it was like we, we had worked with additional producers before. That's what, what they call them. <laughs> like producers come in and do some final touches. Um, so it was like kind of similar in that process and that, except you're dealing with the vocalist. So the vocalist right. is coming in and he's, he's taking something that's done and then just bringing that extra five, 10%. Yeah. That wasn't too um, different. Um, working with Jamie Commons though, on that song, that was unique because that song was conceived together here in this room. Oh, wow. So, so yeah. So he wrote that song together with us from the beginning. But when you're thinking about how you write, like I'm going through the track record or the track listing right now, you've got, you know, running all night, you've got stronger, you've got the champion, you've got comeback glory born for this, all these, these tracks that like, if I was a fighter, I'd probably just play this on my way out to the ring. Is that something that you guys think about a lot? I mean, how do you guys think about these tracks? Uh, I mean, I think for us, we found our lane. um, We don't necessarily write about love 
uh, at least in like this in like romantic sense. Sure. Um, and we, we try to write about things that we go through and things that we experience and things that we have experienced in our career and continue to do and just grow as uh, human beings. Um, and so we really want to motivate people and inspire them and to make them feel like they can do anything because for us being in this industry and being in a band and just whether you're a writer or producer, you kind of have to feel that way because it's constant, just no, 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 all the time. Even now where we're at, it's just like, we'll write, you know, 10 songs and two are good. And, you know, we try to pitch them to people. It's just constant. It's, we still hear no a lot with, you know, yeah. with other things. Um, so we kind of w- want to instill that mentality in our listeners. And so those titles, I think, kind of stick out like that way. Yeah. Are you guys still writing now? Or, and do you guys have stuff that didn't make this album that you'll eventually release on a B-side or something like that? Um, yeah, we're writing right now, uh, you know, obviously given this COVID pandemic and everything, we have plenty of time on our hands. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would imagine after the pandemic, there's going to be a wealth of new music coming out from bands. You know, I talk about it every day or how sad we are that we, we had 2020 was supposed to be an amazing year for us. Right. We, we had, we had tours that we hadn't even announced yet all around the world mm. I mean, in countries we had never been to before. Um, it was going to be nuts. So now we're stuck here uh and and yeah we're writing we're writing i mean we're excited about the new music we're writing uh you know it's it's a new it's a new opportunity to take a different approach and and try to push ourselves in another new direction um yeah Yeah, last month we had uh um uh sam himself on the on the program who's a really cool artist from switzerland and that entire country is like open have you guys thought about like, well, let's just go somewhere and, and tour where it's open? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I guess we would, but like Switzerland from Los Angeles is not cheap to get to. Um, Wait, what? But flights yeah, are super cheap. Nobody's on a plane right now. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then uh, back to Switzerland, their currency is ridiculously priced. Like yeah. you, we were the last time we were there we stayed in airbnb and i went to starbucks to go get uh just like two iced coffees and a croissant it was like 22 dollars no what yeah like the the starting wage there is like seventy thousand dollars like swiss franc because everything is so expensive oh my god um but yeah i mean we we are dying to get back on tour um like i'm sure every other artist and band in the world is yeah. Uh, but it's allowed us to take a step back though and be be super thankful for the fans that we have and for you know just being able to whenever we can go on tour again to put on the best show possible uh, and to take nothing for granted ever again in that capacity. Plus, we've just been riding nonstop, which is like fine, I guess. But I mean, it's cool because you know we're we're trying to it's given us time to experiment um, like with the dance, just with like new sounds and new directions and just kind of, you know, kind of just throwing stuff on a wall and see what sticks. How are you guys connecting with your fans during this time? Are you guys doing live streams? Are you guys connecting, you know, like how do you connect with your fans right now? Yeah. I mean, we've done uh, the whole gamut. I think Uh, we, we uh, have a podcast. It's it's like a YouTube video thing that we do where we do zoom interviews with um, fellow artists. We did one with uh, AWOL nation and some other cool bands um so that's like that's cool for, for gives an opportunity for fans to like 
see us uh, you know, in a conversation, which is maybe a way that they haven't seen us before. Um, what else have we done? We did a virtual 3D performance, like a, nice. like a, like a virtual reality performance. That was dope. Melody VR. Yeah. We did a, like a more traditional live show performance that was, uh, streamed with, yeah. with the album release. Nice. Very cool. I mean, we're, we're trying. It's, I, it's a hard time. I feel like the, the best way to communicate with our fans I think just with anybody, I think the rule of thumb right now is just new music. Yeah. Um, so we're very, very, very hard at work here. Um, putting, you know, trying to get our, wrap our brains together and figure out what song we want to put out next. It's just crazy because in no other time would you put an album out like two months ago and then be like, all right, new music. We're going to put a new single out like in a week. Like that would never happen. Right. Um, so it's really forcing us to take a look and focus on the songwriting and, you know, how we want to start putting new material out. Yeah. One of the focuses of this podcast is we talk a little bit about the future of the music industry. You know, it's changed so, so much over the years. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older than you guys, but, you know, when I was a kid, it was eight tracks and tapes and records. Now records are coming back, but, you know, where, where are we headed? What's the next thing that we are going to be, you know, how do we consume music going forward? I mean, right now, streaming is streaming is king. That's, yeah. that's like the bulk of it is Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Those are just giant. I mean, we see it on the back end of us. Like when we look on metrics for what's going on, it's all streaming. It's it's all streaming and it's about feeding your fan base. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I mean, Edan can, can add to this part. Uh, the industry is even changing, too, because when we were coming up, there were bands and artists that would get signed that were big on YouTube at the mm -hmm. time, but the industry did not take them seriously. And now uh, there's a whole world where Instagram and TikTok, like these artists are, you know, thriving on streaming platforms and labels are like latching on. Like he, he can add to that. We, we talk about it every day in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. We're trying to figure out the whole TikTok thing. Cause that's <laughs> phenomenon for sure. Uh, well, it's interesting uh, because like to, you know, to Eddie's earlier point, like it, it seems like the the attention span of people is growing shorter and shorter and shorter, right? Like, are we, are is the album is the concept of an album dead? I don't think the concept of an album is dead because I think it's nice to have sort of a marker that makes something like a collection of work. But maybe the way that you you put it out doesn't have to be all at once. Mm -hmm. I think that you know, especially when it comes to Spotify and you're trying to get Spotify to playlist you, which is a lot of the game that artists are trying to do. Um, if you want to be on their playlist, they can only concentrate on one song at a time. And I, I think that's true for a lot of things when even fans, it's easier for them to look at one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're still putting out an album, but you're releasing each of the songs one at a time. And at the end, it makes up an album. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing obviously song, you might've noticed that songs are getting shorter and shorter. You know, it used to be, you know, three and a half minutes was sort of the, the, the goal with the song. Now it's more around two and a half. Don't really break three minutes, which is nuts. So being like getting straight to the chorus, being com concise and 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 some sometimes not even having a third chorus, like just doing a second chorus with a post and and being done with the song. Um, yeah. So that's changing, obviously. Does it change the way you guys write? Uh, songs, the, you know, the different platforms that are out there, the different ways you can get music out. Of, does that somewhat change the way you write songs? 
I mean, to an extent, because in the back of our mind, um, when we're working on a, on a tune, um, we'll, one of us will chime in and be like, hey, where are we at right now, like, lengthwise? Mm. Um, when before, that kind of really wasn't, like, a, a thought, you know? Because uh, back, you know, a few years ago, it was, like, songs could be 3 minutes, 3.30. Now everything's, like, 2.30 to 2.45. So, I mean, yeah, it comes in, like, to play, you know, um, to an extent. But, I mean... I guess to play the other side of it, uh, you were talking about albums before and how is that concept dead? Right. I think for a lot of, for most, it it is. But then it was refreshing to see Machine Gun Kelly's album that just came out a couple weeks ago. Um, it was cool because it was like a, a whole body of work that sounded like a body of work, and right. there was a theme to it, and you know he was doing the whole like ode to pop punk, you know, stuff, and had Travis Barker produce it um so that was cool i think from like um a listener and just seeing just seeing that but i i do think that's maybe the outlier and not the norm yeah i think going forward yeah some of my favorite albums tell a story you know, i think i brought it up a bunch of times on this but like you know i grew up in the 80s when we had oingo boingo and only a lad was this album that covered this whole kid from toronto have you guys ever thought like maybe we just do a concept album that tells a story from front to back? Yeah, I mean that's something that I've thought about. Um, we we definitely think ahead of time. Like like right now, we're we're starting a new period for the score because we just released the second album. So we have conversations about sonically where we want to bring it, you know, lyrically what we want to be writing about, and that kind of defines the period of what of like what this period is about. But at the same time, there's just um, this natural thing that just naturally happens that that you can't fight too much. It's like you write songs and, and you see what comes out. And then after it's done, you pick the best ones and see what's the through point there. Because if sometimes if you if you start with too many, at least for us, we've experienced this. If you start with like too, too much intention in the beginning with too many factors, it can be very constricting. Right. And then you end up with nothing good. Yeah. So... There's a medium, there's a balance there that yeah. we're trying to strike. Where can people find you online right now? Uh, I guess, what, like our social media stuff, they can find us on Instagram. Obviously, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Music, we're on Pandora. We have our YouTube channel. What's our YouTube channel called? It's the Score. The Score Music. Uh, we have a website also, The Score Music. I mean, it's... It's everywhere. You guys are everywhere. We're, we're everywhere. You can hear us on our TV, on your TV, I'm sure, during commercials for sports and beer probably I love it. I love it. hey uh i just i'm so glad we got an opportunity to do this i really appreciate it um you know thank you so much for coming on the show and uh and let's do this again you know when when we can all be in one room again yeah thank you so much for having us man yeah thank you this was great thank thanks you. guys Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The 510 Radio on The510.com. Any rebroadcast, transcription, or dissemination in whole or in part is strictly prohibited unless given express written consent by The510.com or its officers. All music played on The 510 Radio and The510.com is copyright of the respective owners. This has been a production of The510.com. 510.com.